Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. I am Talbot Davis, the pastor here, and some of you are connecting with us uh, live stream, and a lot of you are connecting with us live. However you're doing that, I'm really glad that you are here. This is the first message in this series where together we're going to be bounding into Graceland, a, a land where we realize that God does what we can't. We're grace is is kind of one of those words that's thrown out there a lot, and you talk with grace, and you walk with grace, and people say grace before dinner, but sometimes the more you use a word like that, the less you understand what it really means, and so we're going to spend five weeks talking about how it is that God does what we can't, and today's, the first message in the series is called Chasing Grace. Next week is called Insulting Grace. You won't want to miss that, but Today is chasing grace, and in the Bible, it comes from, uh, in the New Testament, 2 Peter. So if you have your Bible with you and it looks like this, locate the book of 2 Peter, the second letter that Peter, and this is St. Peter, that he wrote to the churches in probably 20 or 30 years after Jesus died and rose again. And, and maybe your, your Bible's loaded on your phone. You're more than welcome to scroll to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verses 3 through 10. And, and if you didn't bring your Bible and it's not on your phone or it's one of those apps, but you lost it in the middle of all your other apps, it's okay. The words are going to be up on the screen uh, at, at the right time like they always are whenever we gather together. And and, and you may not know this about Good Shepherd because you haven't been to Good Shepherd, or you may know it well, but we love the Bible here. We don't worship it, but we love it. And we love the Bible because we believe when we understand it and read it well in community, it helps us adore the Savior. And out of that conviction and out of, out of that love of Scripture and out of our belief that it is inspired and eternal and true, we, we have a custom here that we do whenever we gather and when we talk about the Bible, we lift it up. And, and if you haven't been here before, you haven't tuned in before, you're, 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 you're like, this is a head scratcher. This is kind of odd that all these Bibles and phones are in the air. And, and we admit it. We know this is a moment that's kind of unusual. We just have discovered that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community. We're a collection of people joyfully surrendered to the authority of the word and ready for its power to be let loose in our lives. Amen? And, and out of that conviction and reflection, let's pray. So God, thank you for your word and thank you for the honor and the privilege that you give me of standing up and uh, uh, excavating it in private so that I can celebrate it with this community in public. And so fill me now brand new from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head with everything that's good and right and joyful about the Holy Spirit of God. In your name we pray. Amen. So we are starting this brand new series called Graceland and today's topic is called Chasing Grace and and before you can understand anything about today's topic, there, there's something that you need to know. There, there, there's a, a preliminary thing that you need to know before I tell you the thing thing that's coming a little bit later. You got that? There's a preliminary thing because later there's a thing thing coming. And the preliminary thing is this. It's, it, it's Jesus is coming back to earth. Now, it's like the, the, the creed 
says, from thence he shall come, from, from heaven he shall come to judge the quick, the living, and the dead. The, we we in, in church land, we dare to believe that, that history moves in a line. We don't believe history is circular. History moves in a line from the big bang at the beginning to the bigger bang at the end when Jesus really does come back. And, and, and we believe that, that when that bigger bang happens at the end of everything, I mean, there's going to be this mixture of fury and love, of wrath and grace, of hell and heaven. And it will be abundantly clear which is which, and it will be hairy, and it will be chaotic, and it will be intense, especially for people who have rejected their returning Lord but we really do, this is a heavy way to start. You're, you're like, Talbot, usually you start on a kind of a lighter note, but this is, this is a heavy way to start out a, a series, heavy way to start out a message, but we really do believe this is how history is moving, that Jesus really is coming back. Now, along those same lines, you need to know that the earliest church, like the people writing the Bible early church, people like Peter and Paul and Mary, they thought that Jesus's return was imminent. Imminent. Like in the, in the next decade, and maybe not if the, in the next decade, certainly in their lifetimes, and not in, if in their, not in their lifetime, then the next generation for sure. The, if you had told the people writing the Bible, people in the early church, that, that, uh, that, Jesus, that there would be such thing as a year 2022, they would have been like, ridiculous. Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Well, when Jesus kept not coming back, that created all kinds of anxiety and all kinds of uncertainty in the early churches, including the churches to which Peter is writing this letter that we're going to look at in, in just a moment. And, and really, kind of throughout the history of the, the church, that in the wake of Jesus not coming back, okay, we're, we, it, there's big bang at the beginning, bigger bang at the end, and yet we're still waiting for that bigger bang. And in the wake of that, churches through history have kind of... Uh, uh, gone towards either one of two extremes. Some have become obsessed with it. Charts and graphs and crystal balls about when Jesus is coming back. And, and maybe my favorite was a booklet that, that came out, 88 Reasons Why the End of Everything is Gonna Happen in 1988. Don't you know those people had a bummer when the calendar turned, it was 1189. And, and, and so some, some folks have been just obsessed with it. Maybe, maybe you're one of those. But then uh, a lot of other folks have just become oblivious to it. I, I remember church that went to in New Jersey, this is college and right after, that the, the star kid in that youth group, I mean, this was one of those people that every youth pastor just longs to have in a youth group, well-mannered, paid attention, took notes, so polite. And, and somehow the subject of Jesus coming back got mentioned in youth group. And, and, and this superstar, youth group superstar said, wait, 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 I've never heard that Jesus is coming back. And I was like, whoa, if he hadn't heard it in that church that Jesus was coming back, nobody had heard it in that church because he's the only one who was listening anyway. And 
And, and, and so, and I, and I think there was a teaching or a sense in that church, well, yes, Jesus comes back when, when we take communion together. Jesus comes back when we pray together. But as far as literally actually coming back to planet Earth, no, we're a little too sophisticated to believe in that anymore. Well, you can be too sophisticated, but it's still going to happen. He, he really is coming back Big bang leads to bigger bang when all kinds of sort of built up wrath and built up love will be released. Well, the, the fact that there were people in our church up in Jersey who didn't really take it very seriously that Jesus would come back and since he hasn't come back, let's sort of live it up. That's really nothing new. This, this impatience with God's patience is kind of older than dirt. Because look how Peter, and, and, and Peter is writing as a, as a man of real standing and stature in the church. He's writing a, a letter that's going to be distributed to a whole lot of churches in the ancient world. And look how he begins this section, verses 3 and 4. Above all, he says, you must understanding that you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Many people, there's no last days, he's not coming back. Scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, well, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So in, in, in Peter's day, the people got impatient with God's patience and they, they decided he wasn't coming back at all. So that's put on their hat that says, let's party and have at it. And, and so this is what Peter is writing to address. These are sort of attitudes that he is wanting to correct. And, and yet in, in the face of of that delay, Peter also wants to remind the people, no, no, folks, something else is going on. You, you, you might think that you, you can scoff and Jesus isn't really coming back, but something much deeper is happening beneath the surface of why it is that he hasn't come back yet. Look what Peter says in verses 5 and 6 and 7. But they, meaning people who scoff at the idea, he's never coming back. They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Verse 6. But these waters also, uh, by these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. That's a reference to Noah's flood. Verse 7. By the same word, the present heaven and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Whoa. Now, don't skim over these words. Don't, don't speed read through words like judgment and fire and destruction. When Jesus comes back, there, there will be unleashed this previously unimaginable level of God's fury. And you're like, that's so heavy. And, and, I, and I'm like, well, God actually has to deal with fully and finally all the rebellion and all the rejection towards him that's been bubbling up since the very beginning of time. He's got to deal with it. He's got to have victory over all of that. And, and just, just because it, it sounds sort of uncool and, and unhip, 
doesn't make it untrue. And yet, whether you're one of Peter's original readers or you're one of Peter's readers in the year 2022, a year his original audience could not have conceived really exists, the question might be, well, why? Why the delay? Why in the world is God waiting so long? We expected this return imminently. Why all this delay? What could it possibly have to do with Graceland? I mean, is, is God working up the courage to come back? Is, is he dealing with business on another planet that he has to figure out before he can come back to this one? Is he, is he sort of building up his arsenal that's gonna be unleashed when he comes back? Well, no, no, no. The answer, why, is he, why does he wait so long? Is the most interesting thing. And it begins with this reminder. I love the reminder that Peter begins with. Look at verse eight and what he says there. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. <laughs> if I'd been one of those readers, you're calling me a friend. And you, just, you just told me about fire and destruction and judgment of the ungodly. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord... A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So his his understanding of time and our understanding of time is so different, a little bit like the guy who's kind of out there in the springtime, nice day, and out on a field looking up at the sky, admiring the different formations of the clouds, and he decides to start talking to God. And he says, Lord, Lord, how long is a million years? And God answers back. It's to me, it's like a minute. The man thinks, well, how much is, how, how much is a million dollars? And God answers back, to me, it's like a penny. The man thinks a little bit harder and he says, God, can I have a penny? God answers back, yeah, in a minute. Different beings, different realms, different understanding of time altogether. I know a lot of you have dogs. And, and your dogs, when you go to work in the morning, your dog is waiting, goes to that window and waits for you to come back all day. And you drive back and the dog's still there. And, and you're like, how can you sit in that window all day long waiting for me? Different species, different understanding of time. And Peter's like, that's what God, you, you think it's been so long. God, God, to God, it's like that. A thousand years is like a day. A day is like a thousand years. And all that prepares Peter for what he wants to unveil in verse nine. Look at what it says here. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. You might want to circle that word patient. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Said he's patient with you and he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Oh my gosh, this changes everything. It, It turns out that God's delay in coming back It's not to increase our frustration. It's not to try to make us figure out, well, when's he coming back and when is he not coming back? God's delay in coming back is totally rooted in his grace. It's his patience disguised as his grace. Because according to verse nine, what Peter, what God, what Jesus wants to do in all of his delay and all of his waiting to come back is to give everybody whose life is off track, to get all the doubters and all the skeptics 
and all the too cool for school and all the people who've run away, all the people who said yes once and then ran away as fast as they could from Jesus, to give all that people, all those people, the time and the occasion to come to their senses, to turn and to say yes fully and finally for Jesus. That's why Jesus has taken so long to come back because he is waiting so long because he's chasing people so hard, good shepherd. And it all leads to this. Here, I've told you the preliminary thing. Yeah, Jesus is coming back. Here's the thing thing. And, it, and it's rooted in, in that ominous truth of verses three through seven. And our reminder as a church that context really is everything. And here it is, that God puts his wrath on hold to get you on track. That's why. God waits so long because he's chasing so hard. God, God is working on you a long time before you were ever looking for him. And so what God does by, by, by holding back and, and waiting and holding back is that he wants to give every single person, I love these words, he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to experience his wrath. We, we deserve his punishment, good shepherd, and he gives us his patience. He didn't want anyone to go through what we don't have to go through. He puts his wrath on hold to get you on track. The reason I get a little bit worked up about this, the reason I believe in this so much, is because I've lived it. A lot of you know, not all of you, but a lot of you know, I was not raised this way at all. I mean, I wasn't raised in church or Jesus or, at all. And, and, and yet when I was about 12 or so, I had an older brother, an older sister, and they became Jesus freaks. They became born again. And at the time, I thought they were like legitimately crazy, like in a cult crazy. This, this is how odd I thought they were. So that's me at 12. And about, at, at about 16, somehow I started to realize, oh, they're not the ones in a cult. I'm the one in a cult. And the cult that I'm in, part of my family of origin, is this cult that believes a political leader is going to solve all your problems. Well, that was one thing going on. And I realized my brother and my sister had something of substance that I lacked. And then the other thing that was going on in my life when I was about 16 or so, and again, a lot of you know, I grew up playing tennis in Dallas, Texas, and there was this, my absolute tennis hero, we played at the same tennis facility in Dallas, and he was two years older than me, and he was 18, which, and he came in second at Junior Wimbledon, and if you've ever heard of Wimbledon in, in London with the grass tennis courts and all that tradition, they have a tournament there in addition to the men playing for boys 18 and under, and this kid from our tennis facility, came in second at Junior Wimbledon, which meant he was like the second best 18-year-old tennis player in the world. And in addition to all that, he was super handsome, and he had a pretty girlfriend, and he didn't have a single pimple on his face ever. And on top of all that, he loved Jesus. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy has everything I could possibly want in life. And maybe even you say yes to Jesus and the pimples vanish and the girls arrive. But again, he had something of 
substance that I knew I lacked. No. So then when I was 17, it was that best friend who shared with me the faith in a compelling way, in a way that I couldn't say no to Jesus. I had to say yes to Jesus. And all these people and situations and events and desires in my life, they're just there by accident, right? Just a coincidence, right? No! Absolutely not! Get this, Good Shepherd, the reason Jesus did not come back in 1978 is because he wanted me to get saved in 1979. Hallelujah. What a good God we have. And I look at that verse nine. Look at verse nine again. The Lord is not slow about his promise, in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And every time I would read that verse, like from age 17 on. And I would read that verse, that verse and I would think about my dad. Because the reason I wasn't raised in the faith is because he wasn't a man of faith. And I would read 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, and I, and I would know, he's why you're waiting, Lord. My dad is why you're waiting and why you haven't come back yet. And I don't know exactly what happened with my dad and his Last days, as his children were speaking gospel truth into his ears, you know, your ears are the last ones to go when you're laying there in your last days. And I don't know how he responded. I just know that God desperately doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to faith. He puts his wrath on hold to get you on track. And today, if if you are a Christian, if you would self-identify as, yeah, I've given Jesus my life, I'm, I'm saved, I've become a Christian, just know this is what happened to you. That when you were not paying attention, God was working on you a long time before you were ever looking for him. And he delayed his wrath and, and, and made it sure that you experienced his patience so you never had to go through his punishment. That's what he did with you. Because can you imagine, good shepherd, some of you, could you imagine if he'd come back when you were drugging? Can you imagine if he'd come back when you were sneaking? Can you imagine if he had come back when you were lying? Or couldn't you imagine if he had come back when you were just clueless? When you had everything going on well in life, but you didn't know where all those blessings and all that goodness came from. If he had come back during those times in your life, if you're a Christian today, the horror of verse 10 would have been yours. Look at what it says. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And the heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Because know this, the, 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 the unconcerned and the can't be bothered, they go to the exact same hell as the openly defiant. And the predictably rebellious. Yeah, God put his wrath on hold to get you 
on track. And this, and this chase, he's waiting so long because he's chasing so hard. What, what does that chase look like? I have to, I have to think it's so much like our, our cat mittens. Now, I can't, Mittens is just like the sweetest cat. She's almost a human. I can't touch her, of course, because of allergies, but around my wife, Julie, who can touch her, she's absolutely positively human, except, except when she sees prey. And when she sees prey, a, a, a mouse or a rabbit or a squirrel or a Komodo dragon or something, when she sees, she's prey, all of a sudden, Mittens changes and she becomes Stealthy and sly and slow and then so fast. And when she catches her prey, she's so proud. She brings it back like we want a dead mouse. She's so proud of the prey that she catches. Well, it is the same with God. He's slow, he's patient, he's stealthy, and then he's fast. And when he catches the prey, he's so proud, except, except, When God catches his prey, when he catches you, you don't have to die so that he will live like mittens. He died so that you will live like Jesus. Hallelujah for that being the kind of savior and the kind of predator, the kind of chaser that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. He puts his wrath on hold to get you on track. Some of you here today who haven't yet said yes to Jesus. Or you said yes once a long time ago, and then but that was so long ago. You've, you've wandered away. You've run away. There's water under that bridge. And some of you who haven't said yes to Jesus yet, you, you think it's because you're too young. And others of you who haven't said yes to Jesus, it's because you're too old. You, the, there is too much water under that bridge. And then others of you who haven't said yes to Jesus, you, you just figure you've done too much. What I want you to know today is that the reason he hasn't come back yet is because of you. The, the reason he hasn't returned to right every wrong and to, and to heal every hurt and to deliver every believer is because of you. The reason that our Lord has not from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead is because of you. He is longing and he is waiting. He doesn't want you ever to experience his punishment. He wants you to celebrate his patience. So if you've never said yes to Jesus yet, would you understand that he's chasing you even today? And would you let his grace and his goodness work in, in your life? Would you let that chase you and chase you and chase you until his grace amazes you? Here's what we're going to do. Our God is so good. 
and he's filled with so much love and so much patience. We want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. Or for others of you, we want to give you an opportunity to come back home to a Jesus you said yes to before and then kind of life happened. Because in just a couple moments, I'm, I'm going to say those words, Jesus is Lord. And when I say those words, Jesus is Lord, if today, you, August the 7th, 2022, if you would like to say yes to Jesus, what we're going to invite you to do is stand up right where you are at your seat. Some of you are, are thinking, oh my gosh, how can I stand up in front of these people I don't even know? And, and I'm like, no, this is the best group of people you could ever stand up in front of. They're the ones who will surround you and, and love you and help you grow in your living relationship with Jesus. And some of you are online and, and, and you're like, how can I say yes to Jesus digitally? Absolutely you can. We're gonna invite you just to type those words. Jesus is Lord when I say them and we'll know about the decision that you've made. And then other, others of you, I know you're always standing up on the inside and you very much want me to go ahead and, and give that invitation because you are so ready. Well, wherever you are on that spectrum, just want you to know that God's grace and goodness is chasing you and pursuing you and loving you. And there's been a group of people praying for this moment actually all week. So you ready? Are you ready to be chased into the arms of Jesus? I'm going to say those words now and stand up when I do. Jesus is Lord. Who would stand up? Thank you. Hallelujah in the back. Thank you. So good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stay standing. Thank you. Thank you. God is great. Thank you. Praise the Lord, thank you. So good, so good. God is so good. Stay standing, y'all. There's still time. You can still, thank you, yes, yes. Bless the Lord today. God is really good. Y'all stay standing. And then what we're gonna invite you to do, those of you who are standing, we wanna invite, because everybody else is gonna stand in just a minute. We got a great song to sing. But we're gonna invite those of you who are standing now, would you make your way forward along with our prayer team? Prayer team, would y'all make your way forward those of you who are standing, y'all come forward because we want to talk to you and pray with you. Y'all come on up. And the rest of the congregation, would you rise to your feet? Hallelujah and amen. Rise to your feet. And we're going to sing a song about the goodness of God that chases us.